0: Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, show number 44.
1: We're dealing with human beings, whether it's in our personal life or in our business life. And if somebody wouldn't do something in their personal life, they probably shouldn't do it in their business life either. They should be congruent. And a gift, by its very nature, is recipient focused.
0: Welcome to a real world MBA from the School of Hard Knocks, where entrepreneurs reveal what it really takes to make it. Whether you're already in business or you're on your way there, this show is for you. This is Bigger Pockets Business. Hey, everybody, this is Jay Scott, your co host for the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. It is a great week, and I'm here once again with my lovely wife and co-host, Mrs. Carol Scott. How's it going today, Mrs. Carol Scott?
2: Uh, Hi. Life is just good. Overall, life is good. I am grateful. I am grateful we live in sunny Florida, especially in February. I am grateful that our businesses are finally really taking off. We've seen lots of great traction, and I'm really grateful we have so many loyal and dedicated Listeners, thank you for continuing to tune in. Thank you for continuing to leave f- positive feedback and support the show. We really, really appreciate you.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. This week we have an awesome guest. We all talk about the important things to do for a successful business. We talk about things like marketing, and we talk about sales and hiring, and all those other things. But there's something else that we can all be doing in our business to increase our sales. To build our relationships, to ultimately grow our bottom line. And it's something too many of us don't do. And if we are doing it, we're not doing it well. And that is giving gifts. Yep, you heard that right. Giving gifts in your business is an amazing way to boost your bottom line and to build your client base and to impress your customers and your vendors and basically just to improve your business all around. And this week's guest, his name is John Rulin. He is the author of a book called Giftology. And he is going to spend the next hour talking to us about how we can be good gift givers and how we can use gifts to improve the bottom lines of our business and more importantly not only how we can use gifts but who we should be giving gifts to what kind of gifts we should be giving what kind of gifts we should be avoiding and there's a one really interesting part that you have to listen for he talks about how we can use gifts to reach out to people who have no idea we exist and to make them aware of our existence. And he tells us a story about how he reached out to somebody who was very influential, and ultimately formed a relationship that has brought him seven figures in income. Since that time, he reached out and gave a gift, uh, basically unsolicited. So anyway, with that in mind, if you want to find out more about this episode, if you want to see links to things that we discuss, check out our show notes at biggerpockets.com slash bizshow44. Again, that's biggerpockets.com slash bizshow44. Okay, without any further ado, let's bring in our guest for this week, John Ruland. And let's welcome John to the show. How are you doing today, John?
1: I'm fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: So, John, this is an interesting episode for me because we talk about a whole lot of things relating to business on this show. We talk about marketing, we talk about sales, hiring, managing, all the things that you typically think about as business things, the stuff you typically learn, I guess, in business school. Um, But today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different, but equally as important. And that's the key here. It's equally as important. And I think a lot of people don't realize it. You have a book and for anybody watching us on YouTube right now, I'm holding it up. It's called Giftology. And it's really, it's all about the, I'm going to call it the art and the science of gift giving and I, I'll i be honest. I didn't know about this book until a couple months ago. Somebody turned me on to it. And as soon as we heard about this book, I, I picked it up. I read it. I said, we have to have him on the show. So thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah. Amazing amazing book. And I really, I'm looking forward to jumping in.
1: Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's a meat and potatoes topic, but most people don't give it a whole lot of credit. They're like, oh, warm, fuzzy, check the box. Like, isn't that something you do at Christmas once a year and you can forget about the other 364 days. So it's uh, it's going to be fun to unpack it and show people that they're leaving millions of dollars on the table by not understanding it.
2: Absolutely, yes. And we'll dig into this more, but I love how in the book, you talk about the exact opposite of the concept you just touched on, which is it's not just a holiday thing. In fact, maybe it's not a holiday thing at all. And we'll go more into that later. I think it's really powerful. So in the book, you talk about there are really three whole parts, three parts to this whole concept of radical gift giving, right? And and you break it down in your book this way. The first is why should we be giving gifts in the first place? Second, uh, who should we be giving these gifts to? And third, what are the ideal types of gifts we should be giving. So uh, as we we dive into those topics, first, I'd love to dig more into your backstory specifically around how did you, John, become the king of gift giving? And, And then let's specifically tackle that first piece, that first question, why is it important to even be giving gifts in the first place?
1: Yeah, well, a lot of times people hear the topic that we talk about gifting or high end gifts, or that we work with the Cubs and some big clients. You know, the simple fact is, I'm a farm boy from Ohio. I grew up milking goats, one of six kids, and I was going to go be a doctor. And I'm naturally an introvert. People are shocked when they see me on stage that that I you know, think I'm extrovert, extroverted, but I've used. You know, I was in college. I I met a mentor, and he was a radically generous attorney. And he was a rainmaker referrals coming out of his ears access. And he was always, you know, giving things away to find a deal on noodles and give everybody at church the next Sunday, you know, like a year supply of noodles. And it was like 30 grand. I'm like, Paul, like, you're insane. Why are you doing this? And he's like, that's just who I am. And so I was at the time I was interning with Cutco, the, the knife company. And uh, out of desperation to pay for med school, I had no desire to sell or to, you know, any of that sort of stuff. Uh, So I pitched Paul, the attorney, I'm like, you're always giving things away, all of your clients are small business owners, you're a small business owner, like, they're all companies sub $500 million, you know, insurance companies, lumber yards, home builders, that kind of stuff. And, and I said, would you consider giving a pocket knife to all of them? You know, a hundred of them. And I'm sweating bullets. My girlfriend's dad, by the way, it's awkward. If you've ever pitched your girlfriend's dad knives, like it's one of the more awkward conversations. I'm 20 years old at the time. And he leaned back in his chair. He's at about 60th time said, John, I don't order the pocket knives, so will order a hundred paring knives. I'm like, let me give a bunch of dudes like a kitchen tool. That's weird. Why? You know, I'm chauvin, you know, I'm green. I'm you know, like a country bumpkin. And he said, John, in 35 years of business reason, I have more referrals and access and deal flows. I found out a simple truth. And that's if you take care of the family and business, everything else seems to take care of itself. So for me, it's this lightning bolt moment. And I'm like, I want to be Paul when I'm 60. I want to ha- be a successful business owner. He owned real estate that became Walmart's. He owned banks that became went public. And it was because he was the most like, trusted, and top of mind person. And so I'm like, I'm going to model what I see in him. You know, I grew up poor. You're generous. You're successful. I'm not. And so I started to mimic that generosity. And by the time I was a senior in college for Cutco, they have, they've worked with over 70 years, about 1.5 million reps and distributors worldwide. We became their number one in the history of the company out of everybody. We lapped everybody multiple times. Not because I'm a sales rep, but it was because I was using this methodology we now call giftology which is really just a systematic way. Everybody says relationships that are most valuable asset. You know, it's cool to say, oh, I take care of my customers and my employees. We actually started to show people how if you if you say relationships matter and then you suck at showing gratitude, then there's an incongruency. And if you get really good at it, you will stand out and be what Seth Godin calls the purple cow. And so we started to just get access to pro sports teams but to this day, small, mid-sized companies are who we work the most with because they have a limited budget and they have to go up against the 800-pound gorilla. And we showed them how you could put a dollar into this and get $10 back out if you do it the right way.
0: Love that. Absolutely love it. And I love how you said um, the, the, the key is to take care of the other person's family. Um, you talk in the book, and we'll probably get into this, but you talk in the book about if you can take care of the other person's kids, if you can make the other person's kids happy. And as a parent, I mean, if somebody can do something to make my kids happy, they're, I'm, I'm their fan over. for life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The inner circle, we call it the inner circle. Paul did it naturally, but it's treating the assistant, the team, the receptionist, the spouse, the kids, the pets. Those are the four kind of buckets or categories. And so when somebody hires us to do all their gifting for them, they're like, oh, all of our guys like golf and they like bourbon and they like hunting. I'm like, I don't care what they like. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, that's, we're going to buy a bunch of golf and bourbon stuff. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, they're all a bunch of, you know, in your industry, it's a bunch of married white dudes. And we're going to, they're all married to a bunch of women that are treated like arm candy, aren't given respect. They're not treated well. They're just treated like whatever. And if I can include them and their kids, All of a sudden, like you can invest a dollar and it's like investing a million dollars in the dude, you know, the guy, the decision maker. And I've seen this happen in all industries where, you know, as a high powered female and like the assistant's not taken care of or the husband's not taken care of. And so holistically, we all know that like everybody has an inner circle and most of the time they're not treated well. They get the work. They get the leftovers of business. And so when you can honor those people with respect and with not a you know an Amazon gift card or a you know Harry and David basket cheesy stupid stuff that everybody does, but a true artifact, you not you get them to be the internal sales champion, and then you end up with the executive as well as a client, and so you end up with more, and and then those people become salespeople. So like the all of our clients and our clients' clients become salespeople for them, and that's where people like miss the opportunity. They're like, well, that client's only worth ten thousand dollars to me per year, and I'm like, well, what if they referred you three clients? Now, like you can never hire them as a salesperson, but if you do gifting the right way and love on them the right way with no strings attached, now all of a sudden you have a sales force of thousands of people selling for you and they're buying the gifts for you.
0: I, I love that. So, but you just said something really important. I think too many of us think of a gift as a tip somebody does something for us and we reciprocate. And it's the extent of which they did something for us determines the extent to which we reciprocate. But you just kind of turned that on its head and you basically made it clear that your gift isn't about what people have done for you in the past. It's about, and and I'm not saying you do this to get people to do things for you. I'm sure we'll talk about that um, because you talk about that, that in the book, but it's very much, it's you do these things because of what people can do for you in the future. And maybe somebody's done nothing for you. You in the past but if they have the potential to do something for you in the future if, if you want to create that that reciprocity a big gift might make a lot of sense.
1: Yep. Yeah, the people most people are like hey you ser- you know you you've been in our company for 10 years here's your like pen set from Target or your Starbucks gift card or your whatever and they don't realize that they're not like if you want people to run through walls for you it, whether it's a client, employee, a vendor, a partner, a joint venture, you, you know, referral source, and center of influence you know, if you do a gift after a referral, everybody says they're in the relationship building business. But if you do gifts after referrals or after somebody serves so, for so many years, you turn it into a transactional business, a tit for tat. You do this for me and here's... And people are like, it doesn't feel good if you, somebody refers you a million dollar client and you send them a $500 Morton's gift card. Why? Because they're like, gosh, what a cheap SOB. Like you get, you made a million dollars and, and you're giving me 500 bucks. Whereas if you sent even a sucky gift... At an unexpected time, just because. So, like for us, when we're mapping out what we call a relationship plan for a client, I'm like, who are, you know, we do a 360 degree view of who are all the important relationships or who could be an important relationship. And let's send them something, not because they did a deal or because they sent you a referral, send it just because of the relationship. You send that out, you could send the same stupid knife set to 10,000 people and it will land differently if you follow the recipe personalizing a handwritten note, like all the details, people fight back on us and say, John, I've done giftology, it doesn't work. And I'm like, did you follow the recipe? And they're like, well, kinda. And I'm like, well, if you kind of bake bread, but don't put yeast in, you don't get bread. And if you kind of do giftology, but you don't put a handwritten note with it, and you don't give it at a time that's unexpected, and you don't tie it to a referral, you completely change how it's received. And that was little details of relationship building can turn it from, you know, being a nothing return to a 100x return just based on the details.
2: That's really cool. Can we talk more specifically? I have so many questions because I'm so passionate about this topic. But I think one that will resonate so very well with our audience is that one little element within the recipe about the power of a handwritten note and why that's important. And especially because I feel like no matter what the heck your budget is, even if you've got a small budget, right, you can. There, I'm not seeing a whole lot of excuses. You can't write a handwritten note and how, yeah. just talk to us more about that.
1: It, it, well, the handwritten note is more important than what you're sending. When you're dealing with affluent employees, affluent clients, joint venture partners, doesn't matter. When you're dealing with people that are making six, seven, eight figures, you're not going to send them something they can't go buy themselves. And so the handwritten note is what provides context. You know, people are like, "Oh, I'll just automated on Amazon." And I'm like, "Is are your relationships automated? Is that how you build relationships?" Like, well, no, I. I do FaceTime and we do golf at Pebble Beach. And I'm like, well, you can't do your experiences and your FaceTime at a Ritz-Carlton level and think that you're going to do your gifting at a Motel 6 level and think that it's actually going to do you benefit. In fact, most people spend you know thousands, millions, billions of dollars on gifting. And what they're actually doing is damaging relationships. They're actually putting it into a tangible form saying, I don't know you, you don't matter. And the handwritten note is what provides context. So if somebody says, John, You know, I'm just getting started. I'm like, well, when I was in college 20 years, 20 years ago, I was investing $500 a month. I challenge anybody that's an entrepreneur, you're probably wasting $500 a month on beer or bar tabs or stupid stuff that's not investing in relationships. It's really not moving the needle. And so if you don't have a budget or you're dealing with the government Take the nice, like our, our, our stationery is $9 sheets of steel. It's, it's, it literally costs $9 a piece and we write on it with a Sharpie. And when I send that out to somebody, I can send it even to Walmart. And cause that's always the pushback. Oh, we're regulated or, oh, we, you know, we deal with Walmart. I'm like, all your clients aren't Walmart first off. So there's people you could send a gift to. If you can take them out to the Super Bowl or take them out to a nice steak dinner, you can send them something thoughtful. But the handwritten note is what takes it from being just stuff. Like in America, you know, in Western culture, we don't need more things, but we all have room for an artifact. And oftentimes we all have our desk, we all have a drawer where a handful of people sent us a really thoughtful note, whether it's our boss, a client, a mentor, somebody, and we kept those notes. Why? Because it's rare to get one. And when somebody puts thought and you know, meaning into something, and so really the gift is just the reminder of the relationship It's this the delivery vehicle of the emotion. So the knives work because people use, you know, break bread and post and whatever else. But I won't let people send knives out unless there's a handwritten note and unless they're personalized to the family. No logos, like the logo turns it into a promotional tool, a marketing tool. It ruins the gift Um, and takes it into a different category. So the handwritten note to me is everything. And if somebody is not willing to do that with us, I'm like, we're not a fit. And we'll write the notes for you, but we have to collaborate on what that's going to be. If you're not willing to do that one detail, you might as well just go like order a bunch of crap on Amazon and send it out, you know, but it's not going to land the same way as something that feels like it came from one human to another human.
0: It's so true, and, and I'm, I'm going to regret telling the story in case the person we're talking about is listening to this, but we have somebody that is, he's very generous, actually, and and I don't mean to, to say this in a negative way, um, but we've done a bunch of work for him, and, and not charged him, and he 's reciprocated uh, very kindly with multi thousand dollar gift cards and We very much appreciate that, but you you just like you pointed out before it's it feels transactional, and it 's basically the other person saying here 's the value I put on the work you did for me not here 's the value I put on you as a human here 's the value I put on you as a partner or somebody that i 'm going to work with, but here 's the value I put on the work that you did for me and Maybe if they sent me one large enough that I thought, oh, well, that's well in excess of the work I felt like it did, then I'm going to feel like I owe them something. But then they run the risk of sending me something that's less than I felt like. And like you said, it's very transactional. And you don't even want to make the other person be thinking about the value. That's That that just takes everything off track, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. you want to be focused on the relationship. You know, The only two, two things that will allow people to send gifts for is one, is it just because – uh, and secondly, to, to honor somebody's time, people oftentimes, hey, I want to pick your brain. Hey, I want to whatever. If somebody gives me or a client you know, that we're working with, they give you know, five minutes of time. Five minutes of time from the right person could be worth tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars. And so, when you acknowledge somebody with a handwritten note and a cool gift, saying, "Hey, thanks so much for the time," that's totally unexpected. You know, it's beyond anything that they're expecting. That the surprise and delight is the element. Like that's. That's why I suck a gift in the middle of March. It's like it's the same things that work in your interpersonal life. If you only, you know, if you're married and you're a dude and you only take care of you know, your wife on Valentine's Day and on her birthday, like you're just those are table stakes. Like it's when you start doing things in the middle of March, and middle of July, not because you did something stupid, not because you had to. You did it because you wanted to. And that one little tweak of I did this, and that's where I saw Paul, like he would say, what's the most I can do? And most people in business, if they're honest with themselves, they're like, what's the least I can get away with and still kind of look generous? Whether it's with their employees, like that's why it went so viral, the company that gave $10 million worth of cash to all of their employees out of, you know, they're a real estate company on the East Coast. They could have got away with a million bucks and still been viewed kind of generous. But they dialed it up another 10X. And because of that, They probably have a list of resumes of people begging to work there and the long term goodwill and emotional buy in from their team and their partners and their clients to know that like you're a giver, people want to see you win versus most people try to cut corners and then they wonder why people want to see them lose. And it's because based upon the emotion that you drive into people uh, with putting, you know, like, you just tell me your priorities, like, let me look at your calendar, and let me look at your checkbook. And I'll tell you what your priorities are. People talk a good game on culture and relationship building. But they cut corners on the areas where they're able to really differentiate above all the noise, like at the end of the day, like you get deal flow, and you get opportunities, because you're top of mind, and you're liked. And there's a lot of people that are nice people but they suck at relationship building and, and being top of mind because they're sending tchotchkes and promotional stuff and sponsoring trade shows and doing the same stupid stuff all of their competitors are. And they wonder why they're not standing out. Well, they're not doing anything remarkable in any area of the relationship building. They don't have a plan for their relationships. And you don't have a plan for that one component. You have a re- operations plan and a, all these other things. Why would you not have a relationship plan for your most viable people? Which I, we, we spent 19 years developing one that we walk all of our clients through. It's an onboarding process. We charge lots of money to do it. If, you're, if your tribe wants to go download it, the entire playbook for free and figure out a way to do it on their own, like everything is there. Now, what's funny is people are like, why are you giving away your secret sauce? I'm like, well, because it's, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to go execute on it. And a lot of people have heard us speak or read the book, but they're still doing the same stupid stuff. And they're like, well, I come kind to of doing it. I'm like, no, like either commit to it and make it a priority or don't, don't do it halfway because you end up damaging the relationships. But, uh, but the plan is there for free if you want it.
2: That's excellent. I want to talk a little bit more about you talked about all the noise of all this stuff we're always getting and and if you do gifting the wrong way, you're not only you're you're not just neutralizing relationships at best and you're not just throwing away money, but you could also potentially be full on damaging relationships and and damaging all of that. And what comes to mind with me is in and, and again, just like Jay said earlier, sorry if I'm offending everybody, if i get one more logoed piece of whatever i'm like ah seriously people i mean thank you for the thought semicolon however right so can you <laughs> talk more about that because i know so many small business owners we all have really good intentions we're not we're not doing it to try and you know to try and annoy somebody but i think you're you're suggesting that really just isn't the right approach can you talk more about that
1: yeah. Well, I think that um, apparel, it's like anything else. It's like steak dinners or ball games or golf. It's like, it's like the playbook that people look around and say, well, that's everybody's doing it, it must work or everybody's doing it. I have to do it too. And what's interesting is ordering, you know, a, a, anything with a logo on it. like you'd never go to somebody's wedding. Even if you're the tackiest person on the planet, you wouldn't get the Tiffany's vase and, and, you know, compliments of bigger pockets or compliments of Ameritrade or like it'd be the cheesiest thing in the world to take this beautiful piece of art or knives or whatever and engrave a logo on. It. But we're dealing with human beings, whether it's in our personal life or in our business life. And if somebody wouldn't do something in their personal life, they probably shouldn't do it in their business life either. They should be congruent. And a gift by its very nature is recipient focused. It's not, but most people, when they give gifts, if you like steak, you take people out for steak, or you send steaks. If you like wine, you send wine to everybody because you shop with your own rose colored glasses. And a gift by, does a person really want another night out, you know, at at a ball game, eating, you know, nachos and beer, or they'd rather be able to take their family to that game or be home for dinner with their family. And so when you start to think about whether it's your employees, your clients, your relationships, what would they really want? And the reason that a lot of the artifacts that we do work, people say, well, John, does this work in, in tech? And I'm like, are there human beings at your company? And they're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, well, then it works. It works. You know, Google, the same thing that works for Google works for a million dollar business that we work with because it's humans, whether it's 10 humans or 10,000 or 10 million humans, God, you know, whether you believe in a God or not, like we're all wired as human beings. There's certain things that whether you're in Africa, Australia, South, you know, South America, there's certain things like our family's important to us. Breaking bread, even at, you know, 2020 is still, it's very important to us. And so, tapping into the humanity of the person, and we all love to see our own name on things. Like it's it's a Dale Carnegie class, how to win friends and influence people. Like what's the most powerful word in somebody's you know dictionary and their in their head? It's their name. And so, when I send a you know a knife set to somebody, whether it's a hundred dollar knife or a ten thousand dollar set, you know that's laid out. What makes it land? Like I've had billionaires that have cried get receiving our gifts. And it wasn't because of the gift, it was the meaning of it and making it all about them and their quotes. And their and they were a huge Ronald Reagan fan. And so we put all quotes and engraved the entire set around their wisdom so that they, they could pass that set of knives down to their grandkids someday that now triggers the legacy and the memories of what was important to them. So it's not about the item, but it's about like people will use the excuse, well, it's the thought that counts John, I'm like, no, it's a thoughtful thought. Like, You would never get away with your spouse saying, well, honey, it was the thought that counts. Like, no, it's the thoughtful thought. It's the strategic thought. It's the, it's putting your money where your mouth is. So it's not spending the most money, but it is being as strategic as possible because at the end of the day, you're basically like, you know, in the old Testament, Kings would give other Kings like a thousand or 10,000 head of cattle based upon the value of the relationship. They realize that you're basically putting into tangible form, like either you matter or you don't matter. And whether you're the janitor or whether you're the CEO, we all want to matter. And that's where like the logo crap, like if you give it out to your employees, that's fine, but it's, it's a uniform. That's not a gift. And if you give it out to your clients, like you have to ask yourself, does that logo of the insurance company add value or take value away from the item? And in most cases, even when we're dealing with, you know, bigger companies or organizations where the logo is cool, like the Cubs, the higher up the food chain we go, the smaller the logo gets. Because the logo does add value for the Cubs. But when you're dealing with affluent people, do they want like a, you know, a basketball size thing on their shirt? No. And so I don't do apparel. We don't do gift cards. We don't do food. And it's because it's either not thoughtful or the return on investment and the return on relationship isn't high. When somebody's already received 15 vests from Patagonia, it's no longer a cool gift. I'm sorry. Like you can only wear one vest at a time. And you're going to wear the, you know, like we do these crazy thousand dollar mugs are called artifact mugs. And people are like a thousand dollars for a mug. And I'm like, you can only drink out of one. And when you have a mug that tells your whole life story and your core values and your legacy, like that mug becomes one of the most valuable things. You'll grab it if your house is on fire. You probably grab the mug, your pictures, the things that are irreplaceable, not on dollar amount, but on meaning. And so that's where like the swag, like people, oh, John, you're the swag guy. And I'm like, I hate the word swag. Like, that's not, that's not meaningful. Like, would you give swag to your spouse? No. So like, why would you give your most, your thousand most important relationships, your top 20, like makes zero sense when, when we start to map it out for people like, Oh my gosh, I've been doing it like this way for 27 years. And I'm like, well, Hey, the next 27 years, you can be different if you just want to put it into play.
0: I I love the fact that you just gave us a litmus test right there. You want the person, you want to give them a gift that if their house is on fire, it's going to be one of those things that they grab because they don't want it to perish when they leave the house. So that kind of leads me to my next question. How do you figure out what's going to resonate? So sometimes we know people really well. We have 10-year, 15-year relationships. We've met their families, we we know what they love, we know what they hate, we know who they are. But in other cases they're relatively new relationships and we don't have a ton of information about them, but we still want to give them a gift that's going to resonate with them. That's going to, that they're going to carry out of a burning building. How do we figure out what that gift might be?
1: Yeah. Well, there's different level. I call it foundational gifting versus the crazy one off. Like when I met Cameron Harold, I wanted him to be a mentor and that that's the story in the book where, you know, I, I learned I couldn't afford his $20,000 a month coaching. And so I said, you know, I got $7,000 with the Brooks brothers because it was his favorite store and outfitted his hotel room to look like a Brooks Brothers store when he flew into Cleveland.
0: Okay, wait, wait, wait. Um, So we've had Cameron Harold on the show. I'm a big fan of Cameron Harold. I want to hear the story. So so take us back a little bit. Tell us that story about about Cameron Harold.
1: Yeah, this goes back 14 years ago. I heard him speak at an EO event. I just joined EO, was barely qualified, was just like, you know, I went to the event and was nervous because I was like, you know, I heard a guy cut a quarter million dollar check to bring Kiss in privately. I was like, I'm out of my league kind of a place. Uh, But I heard Cameron speak, heard he was coming to Cleveland and was like, I want this guy like he'd grown one 800 got junk from 2 million to 127 million uh, as the COO, like he grew in multiple companies over 100 million. I'm like, I want him in my corner. I want him to refer me business. I want to be friends, buddies, bros, like, and we all have those people in our life that we admire that we want to be in our corner that could be influencers could be podcast hosts could be CEOs of companies in our communities. You know, it's different for everybody, but we all have people that are pillars or would be pillars in our business and that we want in our corner. And that was what Cameron represented for me. And so I invited him to a a Cavs game for opening night and, you know, Morton's dinner, which is like a playbook that everybody uses. But I thought it was so cool because it was opening night for LeBron and I'm a big Cavs fan. He's from Canada. He gave two rips about the NBA. He didn't realize that, but we don't often think that way. When the response was underwhelming, when I invited him to the game, he said, sure, I'll go, but I don't have, you know, only because I don't have anything else going on. I was like, I got to hit him in a different way. And then when I found out he loved Brooks Brothers. Um, I ended up, you know, behind the scenes with his assistant, getting a shirt size. And I bought one of everything in the new fall collection, all the jackets, pants, suits, belts, shoes, everything. And then went to the Ritz where he was staying and, and outfitted his whole room to look like a Brooks Brothers store. Now my business partner, like literally thought I was insane and said, if it doesn't work, I think this is going to blow up in our face. Like it comes out of your personal draw. So I was putting $7,000, not of my company, but of my personal money on the line. And when Cameron came in, you could tell, like he just wanted to go take a a bath or a shower and go to bed. Like he didn't want to go to the dinner and the ball game. Like it'd been a a rough travel day. And he came down like 25 minutes later and his eyes were like the size of solar dollars. He said, John, whatever you want to talk about for as long as you want to talk about it. Like I thought when I flew to Dubai and like, you know, the you know Four Seasons remembered my name and had a bottle of water waiting for me when I went out for a run. I thought that was like amazing customer experience. So he's like, like, nobody's ever treated me this way. Now, what's interesting is I continued to send him gifts for the next 10 years once a quarter. Like, I would send him, you know, I built him a whole knife set, $10,000. I build him leather goods. I sent wine tools that are like 600 bucks with his autograph carved into it, like crazy stuff. And people are like, man, that's like, what is it? Would you invest like 20 grand? I'm like, probably like, that's a lot of money for one person. I'm like, well, the reason I can go speak and get like $60,000 to speak on stage now is when I was begging to speak for free, Cameron started landing me my first five, 10, $15,000 speaking gigs because he would be double booked. And he'd say, oh, you need to book John Rulin. And they'd be like, who the heck is John Rulin? Does he have a book? No, just trust me. And he would go advocate. All of his hundreds of clients have all received gifts from us. You know, his podcast all received gifts from us. He's it's literally a 50x return on investment that 20 grand's turned into seven figures. And so people push back and like, oh, that's stupid, or I could never afford that. And I'm like, well, if you look at your entire business, I don't care what size company, a lot of the companies that we work with are EO and YPO and vistage companies and they're sub-20 million dollar companies. They might be 2 million, 3 million, 5 million. And we all have these budgets that we're using and we're not reinvesting back into our relationship. And so Cameron's a perfect example of somebody I invested into for the long haul. And it's paid me back an enormous amount.
2: It really has paid you back exponentially. And I think that is such an absolutely wonderful example. It's so quantifiable and you just took massive action. You were willing to put your own money on the line and it brought you such an amazing return. I would suspect much bigger than you ever anticipated in the very first place, right? I would like to break this down a little bit more. There's one step there that Again, I always like to think about our audience. A lot of people are small business owners. A lot of people might say well i don't necessarily have that type of budget or i don't i don 't know how I would even go about figuring out the right gift to give a Cameron Herald. Will you tell us because again, I also like to lie it out saying, "You know what there are no excuses guys it's just there you just have to think through the process of how to do it and get resourceful and so on. Could you lend some insight for how, for example?" You found out that Cameron Harold like Brooks Brothers, right? So that we can yeah. relate that to other people that are listening to the show.
1: Well, the, the cool thing is, is that over the last 15 years since I did that for Cameron, like with, people drop hints on social media like crazy of what they're passionate about. Now, what's interesting is that most of the gifting I do is not Cameron Harold esque It's not $7,000. I'll send the same knife set to 1,000 people for a client. And they're like, well, like, what if they don't like the knives. And I'm like, well... Last time I checked, most people are married. Most people eat. Most people break bread. Most people have a kitchen. Most people are into food, you know, foodies. They're entertaining. They like quality. They never go spend $500 on a knife set. So I can take the same tool, the same delivery vehicle. And it's not really about the knife set. It's about the fact that it included their spouse. Because if somebody's into bourbon, that's where people mess up. They're like, oh, this person's really into bourbon. And so they send them like a bottle of like bullet, you know, or a Buffalo Trace. Now, meanwhile, they're drinking Pappy. So they think they're doing something good. But what they're really doing is showing their immaturity in that category. And they're so like coming at it from a different angle. If you're not willing to go all in and make it a 12, then coming at it and, and taking care of somebody in a way that would be like, a great instance is people will give watches. And they'll give out like this beautiful, like, you know, $500 Seiko watch to everybody. And they're like, oh, they're so proud. Now, meanwhile, all of their clients have Rolexes or Brightlings or Paddocks. And so they spent $500 to look silly. Whereas if they spent $90 on the nicest luggage tag on the planet, because most people travel, most people will never go spend $90 on a handmade brass, beautiful luggage tag. So I can spend 80% less and give and take a category where most people go really cheap and take it up not 1% or 2% higher. I can take it up 10,000% higher. And that's why the $9 letterhead works. Like Anybody can afford $9 letterhead. I don't care who you are. College kids have reached out saying, I want to do the letterhead. But it's just a matter of priorities. And when you take a category where most people go really cheap and you don't go 1% or 2% higher, you take it way up. It's the purple cow concept. And you take the area where everybody's having a pissing match, like trade shows and marketing and Facebook ads and all these other things. There's nothing wrong with them. But the reason we're able to get, in some cases, a 20, 30, 40x return is because everybody thinks a gift should cost 20 bucks. And so they're like, what can I get for $20? I'm like, you should just write a really nice note on $9 letterhead and save yourself the 11 bucks. But if you do have a more sophisticated business where you have a real marketing budget, and it might real marketing budget might be 100 grand a year for biz dev and whatever else. If you took that 100 grand and redirected it towards areas where everybody's doing the Seiko watches thinking they're cool, but everybody's regifting them, and you started buying $90 luggage tags you actually would spend less than your competitor and have 10 times the impact because you're looking at it from a different lens. And that's what we're encouraging people to do in all areas of their business is saying, if you're having a pissing match with your competitors and it's just noise, redirect a percentage of that over here into this blue ocean and gifting is one of those because people like take it for granted, they check the box, they suck at it. They think they're at a seven and they're really at a negative three. And if you do that and even just got to a three, you'd be so far and ahead above everybody else so it's not spending the most money i love working I, I just recorded a video for our new website around what i really feel like we're like who we're for is we're, we are i love working with david versus goliath i love working with the little shepherd boy that all he has is a slingshot and a, a couple smooth stones and he's going up against goliath this 10 foot tall philistine giant and because he's bold and courageous he's willing to Freaking nail the Goliath right between the eyes, and he like takes down the giant and becomes the king. I think we all resonate with the underdog. We all resonate with the David and Goliath story, whether you're a person of faith or not, because. We all, in most cases, we are David going up against a publicly traded company or some bigger competitor that has a bigger budget. So it's not spend, and You're never going to outspend the publicly traded company, but you can be more outthoughtful them. You can outthink them. You can be more creative. You can be more bold with a smaller group of people. So instead of treating ten thousand people at this mediocre vanilla way, take your ten people and go all in on those ten people and get them to be lifers with you. That's the really the core message isn't a gifting message. Nobody cares about gifts, but we all care about the outcomes and the results of real relationships and the return on relationship. And so that's the core. People give us excuses all the time. And I'm like, guys, I bootstrap this business. I don't have any outside investors like I, it's me and my business partner. Like, but we play with the big boys, the big billion dollar companies, even though they we're a small business because we're willing to really be different in how we treat people.
0: Before we move on to the next part of our show, let's hear from one of our show sponsors. How would you feel if you could save an extra $1,500 this year without lifting a finger? Saving money doesn't come naturally to most people. In fact, for a lot of my life, I was absolutely terrible at it. Luckily, there's a tool designed to help all of us out. It's an app called Empower, and it's transforming spenders into savers. Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R, is an awesome mobile app that allows you to automate your saving and improve your money management. You simply tell the app your weekly savings target. Each day, Empower studies your income and spending and automatically knows when to move the right amount of money right into your savings account, where you're less likely to burn through it. Plus, you get access to Empower's human coaches who can give you personalized recommendations as well. No more Googling all of your finance questions. If you want to save an extra $1,500 or more this year, you've got to check out the Empower app. Download Empower, that's E M P O W E R, in the App Store or the Google Play Store. I downloaded it, and more than 650,000 other people have as well. For listeners of this show, get $5 when you use offer code BPB, like Bigger Pockets Business, and reach your savings goal. Visit empower.me bpb for more details. That's empower.me bpb. So let's go back to, and I don't necessarily want to use the Cameron Herald example, but that kind of gift. So let's say uh, somebody that's listening right now, there's somebody that they want to get in front of, an influencer, um, a potential client, a potential mentor, somebody that they're willing to do the effort, to do the work and to spend the money to get in front of that person. I imagine there's a right and a wrong way to do that because uh, I, I, I could see doing things that come off as, oh, this guy's a stalker or this this guy is just making me uncomfortable with with the type of gift he just gave me or she gave me. Um, what are some rules if I'm trying to get the attention of somebody that doesn't know I exist? Um are, yeah. are there rules for for how I play that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, what I one I would say is that if you really have a valuable product, service or offering, make sure that you actually have something that's gonna be valuable. Like I think Sometimes we're not honest with ourselves and we think that we're able to help somebody that we're not. And I remember early on, like I wanted to go after the big companies, but I wasn't even ready. Like I was trying to like I wasn't in a position to actually help those companies I was one of them as clients to shortcut and they but they really weren't like a, an ideal client. So I think being honest with yourself of who your ideal avatar is and are you going after this person because it's cool or are you going after them because you actually help them? And I think there's a big difference there. I I would say as far as being a stalker, like there's no question that if you're going to play in the blue ocean and do things that are different, that are bold, there's risk involved. Like we've had times where we sent knife sets to people and we didn't realize they were going through a divorce. And so the knives had the the ex-wife's name on them. Or we sent things to people and they were going through a, a Ponzi scheme investigation for fraud. And so the gifts got sent back and people were pissed. So there is risk. It's not like I've had gifts that were bigger than Cameron Herald where we sent it to somebody for myself personally, and it didn't land. It just didn't work. Now, I only need you know 80% of them to land. The 20% that don't, I, I'm not worried about. But I think a lot of times people don't have the right mindset going into it and realizing like, You know, you have to be willing to commit to this for the long haul. Most people like it's like flavor of the month, like, oh, let's try Giftology this month. And if it doesn't work the first two or three times, they're like, well, yeah, that doesn't work for me. And it's like, no, it works. It's just a matter of like, you know, if you only ran one one little ad on Facebook, like maybe you hit it, maybe you don't. But there's a there's a tweaking. There's a it's a it's an art and a science. And there's time like you have to give time the opportunity. The other thing I would say is that I don't include people's kids. Any gift, unless I have a relationship with them. And the reason is, is that it's one thing to take care of somebody's spouse. It's another thing to take care of somebody's assistant or do something big for them. But it can be like, you know, in 2020, like the kids, in my opinion, are off limits. Like there's too much risk there and not enough return. Now, if you have the relationship, a you know, warm relationship, that's different. You've talked about them. Maybe you've met them. Those are different. So I think that there are a, there is risk but there is a way to put the risk in your favor when you're doing it. And, and to me, going all in on the thoughtfulness and saying, hey, I did the homework. I realized like what would really resonate with you or with your family or whatever else. And I think the big thing is, is being willing to show up multiple times. Like for Cameron, I didn't ask him anything for anything when I was at that dinner and ballgame with him that time. I did the Crazy Brooks Brothers experience to show them that I was different. But at that point, like, I didn't ask for anything. I continued to send him gifts. And then he came back to me and said, John, what can I do for you? And I think that's where a lot of people like, you know, it's a Gary Vee concept. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's, you know, it's, it's jab, 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 right hook. It's not jab, right hook. It's show up, show up, show up with value, with value, with value, with value. And then you maybe earn the right to be able to ask, but it doesn't guarantee. It's not, if you do something for your spouse and then expect something five minutes later, how does that work out? Usually not well. It's because it felt manipulative. It felt like there's strings attached. And so we all hope that things are going to work out. But really, at the end of the day, when you're trying to get to somebody influential, all you're doing is earning the right maybe to be able to get a little bit of their time doesn't guarantee the business, it may get them to listen a little bit differently and be open to what you're saying differently. But I think sometimes people think that gifting is this magic bullet that they can have a sucky offering or service, and then they do an amazing gift and magically, like, you know, the investment dollars are going to rain down. And that's not how it works. Like everything else has to be buttoned up. And this has to be the cherry on top of the Sunday, Most people don't have a Sunday, and they think the gifts are going to magically help them. And that's not what we're teaching.
2: It has to be one cohesive package. Speaking of the continuing to jab, 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 hit, or keep continuing to surprise and delight people, continuing to be front and center. How often should we be giving gifts to these different people that we're targeting? What's the right consistency timeframe?
1: Yeah, you don't want to feel like the jelly of the month club. If you've seen the Chevy Chase movie, like uh, the Christmas vacation, like, oh, yeah, jelly, you know, I'm gonna get the $40,000 <laughs> $40 bonus. I get, the, you know, I get jellies every month. So I think it needs for us most of the time when somebody's hiring us, you know, a good cadence is once a quarter for their most valuable relationships. It doesn't feel automated, but it, it's also like you're still top of mind once a quarter. So for most of the, almost everybody that that engages us to do their gifting with them and for them, two to four times a year is enough. The goal is to be thoughtful. The goal is to remind them that you exist. The goal is to show gratitude and appreciation just because. But it isn't like at some point in time, if you start sending stuff, especially to warm relationships, like I send gifts to all of my vendors and people like, why would you send gifts to vendors? I'm like, well, I I don't have a business without vendors. I I want them to run through walls when I have something come in last minute or I need them to work a weekend or whatever else. Like I need this to be a true partnership. And so but two to four times a year for most relationships is a good frequency of not too little, not too much. But I will say if somebody can't afford to do four world class things, it's better to do two world class things than four mediocre things. And I think that's where people like I I disagree uh, with the late Chet Holmes, who wrote Ultimate Sales Machine. I love the book. I agree with everything he talked about. The only thing I don't agree with is he did gifts for this dream 100. And they're all trinkety, junky stuff once a month. And I'm like, people don't need a stress ball and a shoe and whatever else like make sure that what you're sending is congruent with the value and the level that you play at and if you can't afford to do something four or three times even once is better than three mediocre and and so that's what i think in, in our western culture we think more frequency is better and it can be if you're able to keep the same level of quality but most people don't have an unlimited budget and so dialing it back on quantity and dialing it back on frequency and going all in on a smaller number is better than going wide and just spray and pray.
0: It sounds like most of the gifts that you give and recommend giving are physical gifts that are lasting, that will stick with the recipient for a long time. Is there a time and a place for experiences? Is there a time and a place to, to be giving um, something that's, that's an experience versus a lasting gift? And what is that time and place?
1: Yeah, I think that um, we focus on tangible because of the lasting element to it. But I think that uh, no matter, you know, people are like, what is better? And I'm like, the best is when you do a world class, once in a lifetime experience, whether that's Pebble Beach or flying to Israel or some crazy, you know, like I hired the, the number one wine guy in the world, Eddie Osterlin, on a regular basis to come and create this food and wine experience that. Nobody could ever buy because it's like him walking you through how to use food and wine as a. He has a book called Power Entertaining, basically, how to use food and wine as a competitive advantage. So, if you can combine a once in a lifetime experience with an artifact, now you have the memory, the emotion that's tied to the trip, the experience, the whatever that they could not buy. It needs to be something that's not like, you know, like it's unique, it's different. It's not the typical Morton's dinner, it's not the typical ball game in normal seats. And so if you can combine the experience with an artifact, either pre during or post ideally pre and post now, every time they use the item, whether it's the knives, the leather goods, the, whatever they're, they, it takes them back to that memory and that experience. So it's not one or the other, it's both and, but it's taking, instead of doing the same stupid stuff for a lot of people, it's going, narrowing it down and saying, let's go make this world-class on both sides. Most people will do their dinners at kind of a Ritz-Carlton level, and then they do their gifting, like I said, at a Motel 6, and they wonder why it doesn't work. Like, oh, we got to give a, we got something you know, at the conference, the trade show, the summit, and so they end up passing out the jackets and the... You know, the paraphernalia and the gift cards and the journals from China with logos the size of softballs like that doesn't work. And so it's both and but being just as thoughtful with the details of the experience as you are with the tangible and being just as thoughtful with a handwritten note. Like it's kind of like the five love languages. If you've ever read the book, the five love languages, I just talked to Gary Chapman, who's a friend and mentor of mine. He wrote the book. sold like 22 million copies. It's realizing that words of affirmation or a handwritten note with the gift and the experience, it's just really being thoughtful with how you're doing things with your relationships. And if you do that with the experience, it'll blow people's minds. If you combine it with the artifact, they'll still be talking about it 10 years later because the memory will be very top of mind.
0: Excellent. Okay, I have one more question before we jump into our four more segment of the show. Um, And this is because we deal with a lot personally, Carol and I, we deal with a lot of companies. So a lot of what we do is real estate. So we deal with real estate companies. We deal with brokerages. We deal with, with companies that have lots of people. And oftentimes, there's a gatekeeper. It's like, yeah, you want to make the CEO happy, but keeping the secretaries happy as well and keeping the other people that are going to be that gatekeeper to the CEO and the people that you're going to interact with probably more often Than the CEO, you want to keep them happy as well. How do you decide when to give a gift to the guy or the girl who's going to refer you work versus giving gifts as groups to companies or to to other groups of people where everybody kind of plays a role in in helping you?
1: Yeah, so whether it's to a small company or to a large company, I treat the CEO and the assistant or the event planner at the same. So a lot of times people will do, You know, the uh, the varsity level gift for the CEO and then it's like a middle school gift for the assistant. And what that basically communicates to the assistant secretary, receptionist, director of marketing, whatever. Hey, you don't matter as much as this person. And I'm communicating that in tangible, memorable form. You're not as important. That's not good. Now you can say, well, I don't, I, kind of, you know, like I don't have the budget. And I'm like, well, if somebody, you know, a client's worth $50,000 in profit to you or $50,000 in revenue, you probably have enough room in your budget to reinvest. And so that's why we try to make it a math equation. What's the value of the relationship? Lifetime value, the entire company. And then what, let's just say you have $1,000 to invest and you have you know, three people to take care of potentially, then do the same gift for all three people. Reception, director of marketing, VP of sales, CEO. We treat them all the same. And the reason is, is because I want to go horizontal and deep in a company. And, and that person oftentimes who's not the decision maker influences the decision and who knows where they're going to be in five years. And oh, by the way, they're treated like garbage most of the time. So a, a gift to them that's at the same level as the CEO is going to have a, a thousand times more impact. And so the reason we're booking some of the largest events on the planet isn't because I, we're good speakers and but there's 100,000 good speakers. We treat the event planner who's oftentimes behind the scene doing all the work You know, the the people that are actually doing the work in the trenches, like gold. And it's not that we don't take care of the CEO and the CEO's, you know, spouse and all that kind of stuff. But I think that taking care and realizing that holistically, I'm going to take care of the entire company. I have some companies that we work with where we send 30 gifts. And, and so for me, like I want to make sure that I'm covering all my bases because oftentimes in bigger companies, especially people are shifting and moving and getting promoted and getting fired and moving to another company. I want them to take me with them, but I also want to make sure that I have things dialed in for that current relationship. And so a lot of people shortchange themselves and they really they, they're like, crap, I should have done this, this and this. But when it's after the fact, it's too late. And uh, one, of, one of my favorite examples I talk about in the book is the Orlando Magic. We landed the Orlando Magic as a client. The CEO, Alex Martins, was this client. I sent the same gift or nicer to him and to his assistant, Cheyenne, for three years, not asking for anything. And the reason we landed our first six-figure deal, and it was very profitable, was not because of Alex. It was because Cheyenne had advocated inside of the Orlando Magic and got six other department heads together for me. And they basically were like, John, Cheyenne won't shut up about you and Giftology. She hasn't shut up for like two and a half years. Like, we know we're going to buy from you. Can you just show us what we're going to buy? <laughs> and I had my jaw like hit Love the ground. It. I laughed. I was like, this is crazy. And, it was, and it's not that Alex wasn't important. He was. He was great. But he's busy. He's off doing other things. Cheyenne, treating her with the same level of respect and treating her like a peer. She's still a friend to this day. Like she's, she's wonderful. But she became my internal sales champion, not Alex. That is...
2: So cool. Well, I want to ask one more question here. Well, actually we have one and then a comment, but what was one of the gifts that Cheyenne got? I just, I love all these examples. I love the examples on like the really expensive levels on the the $9 stationary level and everything in between, because again, it just reminds all of our listeners that no matter what type of budget you have, as long as you do it properly with the recipe and the formula that you outline for everybody, that it does make an impact. Do you have any example of something that did resonate so well with her?
1: So, I mean, my personal gifting budget this year is about 600 grand, 500 grand if it's the silly knives. And the reason the knives are is because it's universal. I can take a $10,000 set and break it into $200 increments for for Alex and for Cheyenne. I built them both like a $1,500 set of knives, but it was built over three years. And then I sent, I found out that Cheyenne's mom um, loved gardening and Cutco makes an amazing gardening set. That's like two or 300 bucks. And so I said, Hey, I I got something I'm going to send you. And and it was before her mom or mom or dad's birthday. And we sent it off to her. She's like, I mean, she was like, tears, like, this is crazy. Like, now I can give my mom something that I normally wouldn't be able to necessarily afford. And, uh, and so that was like the extra, like, over the top crazy. But in in many cases, it's, it's me leveraging, you know, the mug and different things over and over and over again, because it's those are just the delivery vehicles that what, it's the thought that goes into them and the note that really makes it land. But, but, uh, but the gardening set was one of the big ones that, uh, that kind of came out of nowhere for her specifically that, uh, that put her over the top.
2: It's that's just such an awesome example, and taking it to the next level, and being just so absolutely over the top thoughtful to something that would really resonate well with her. I just wanted to share before we wrap up and go into the four more. I just wanted to share for our listeners and to you, John, something I think you might find interesting. Um, an example of something that a good friend and business associate of ours uh, gives on a regular basis because of Giftology. He did read your book, and um, he sends an interesting little surprise every once in a while. So we live in Sarasota, Florida, and he's a mortgage broker. And we've done lots of business together forever. And a couple days after we closed on the sale of this house, we get a package and it is, and it sounds really silly, but I promise you it was the coolest thing ever. It was this ginormous, like eight foot diameter, rubber ducky pool floaty, right? Okay. (laughs) So I've got to tell you, as silly as that sounds, Best gift ever. Why? Number one, we just moved to Florida. We've got a pool. Number two, we've got kids. And they want to be in that pool. It's brilliant. Every once in a while, guess what? We just got a multicolored purple, green, yellow, orange, and blue rainbow rhinoceros pool floaty. So every once in a while, just magically, the most ridiculous, awesome, phenomenal, over the top. Lodi shows up and the kids are so excited and they're so excited to show it to their friends and talk about, I mean, these things cost maybe 50 bucks, but the impact that comes with them over and over and over, it's just, it's brilliant on so many levels. So I just wanted to share that example. Thank you,
0: Alan. Appreciate
2: that. (laughs) Thank you, Alan. You're amazing. Amazing.
1: That's perfect. That's, I mean, that's spot on. Yep. Love it.
0: Excellent. Okay. So I could ask questions for the next two hours, but I know your time is valuable. And so I want to jump into the part of the show that we call Four More, and that's where we ask you the same four questions that we ask all of our guests. And then at the end, we're going to jump into the more part where we give you an opportunity to tell us more about you, where we can connect with you, where we can find out more about your book and anything else that you have going on. So, I think I will take the first question. You talked about your cut code job, but that may not have been your first job or your worst job. Can you tell us what was your either your first job ever or the absolute worst job ever, and what did you take from it?
1: Uh, probably the worst job was uh, was I did stocking shelves for a couple uh, couple months in high school for Marks, the uh, discount department store. And that was uh, that was not my favorite. Probably tied with that would be um, uh, waxing floors uh, at on the night shift for uh, for a little cleaning company before I went into college as well. So those those two were uh, not not very entrepreneurial <laughs> and uh, made me understand and appreciate going out and figuring out a different way to not work for hours, you know, or hourly versus uh, controlling my income.
2: That's perfect. So that leads me beautifully into my second question, which is: If you had to pinpoint one moment, one little moment where you're like, "I definitely have this entrepreneurial itch," what was that defining moment?
1: I I think um, I think it happened with Paul. I think I talked about it. Like when I when I I I thought Cutco was going to last maybe you know a month if I was lucky. Like I just was like, my family can't afford these knives. Like this is crazy. But when Paul believed in the concept and I and had that light bulb moment that like. I could sell this as a, like a business tool, not knives. I could sell this to companies and help them. And, and that was like the holy crap. And that spurred me into thinking about relationships differently and opened my eyes to things and got me to switch my major from pre-med to, to marketing. And, and, but that moment when I was like, this guy who I respect and admire believes in what I'm doing and believes in it enough to, to invest significantly and started giving me the knives to pass out to his business friends. And like he, his belief in me opened my eyes to like, there's something here.
0: Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to switch up question number three, because here's a question that I've been wanting to ask the whole episode and hadn't gotten to. So I'm going to make this my question number three. What's the best gift you've ever given? The one you're most proud of. It doesn't have to be the one you spent the most money on, but what's the one that that you thought, wow, that, gift was perfect. I nailed it. And what's the best gift gift you've been given by somebody else?
1: Gosh, man, I could talk about this for a couple of hours. Um, (laughs) The the best gift that I've ever given, one one of the ones I was most, um, the guy, one of the guys who's believed in me the most is a guy, right-hand guy with Cutco, believed in the idea when they thought I was like stealing credit cards to sell these orders because they didn't believe the size of the orders. But he believed in me for early on. He's the best man in my wedding. And uh, I knew he loved going to spas and whatever else. And so I sent him a sauna and, um, and it like literally brought tears to his eyes and was like, dude, you'll never like, this is insane. But I could tell you, I mean, Jeffrey Gittimer, we sent, you know, it took us 18 months to track down a hagen dazs freezer. He loves Haagen-Dazs ice cream. It's illegal to, to own a hagen dazs freezer because Nestle owns the brand and owns all the equipment. And so we sent him like 50 pints of ice cream of hagen dazs in the freezer with one of the crazy mugs to eat the ice cream out of. And, and so that one, but you know, he's, received a lot of cool gifts. So yeah, there's, there's those, as far as ones that have done, been done for me. I, I mean, I think initially Paul believing in me and giving me the knives and basically transferring his social capital to me to go with his business friends. When I was a 20 year old, you know, like it was just weird to sell knives. It was weird. Like all, all of that belief was big. And I, the other one I would say is my wife back in 2016, I love surprises. She hates surprises. But um, for father's day, we went back to visit my dad and uh, see my family in Ohio, and she had laid out this whole day of surprises. And uh, I'd wanted Air Jordans growing up; couldn't afford them, farm kid. And she tracked down the original pair that are like stupid money back from when I was 16 years old, 1996. The Jordans with the patent leather, and then had orchestrated like my 30 closest friends to all be there for brunch on Sunday. And then it organized for us to have, she had jerseys made for herself and for our three girls at the time with, you know, the name on the back, like team ruling. And then had organized us to play five on five with guys I hadn't seen like in a decade. And then that night we went into, you know, didn't get to go to the game, but we were watching it with friends. We watched the Cavs win game seven which first championship for Cleveland, being a basketball guy, like I'm crying. My brothers are crying. It was crazy. So she nailed it, you know, knocked it way out of the park and it like about killed her because she had to keep it a secret from me, which I'm not, I'm not easy to keep secrets from because I I always see the angle and figure out what's going on. And she had me completely blindsided. It was unbelievable.
2: That's amazing. That is like my, my job out hit the floor that I'm trying to pick it back up. That's incredible. I mean, talk about amazing. That's, Wow. It really must, like must, cool. yeah. yeah. must
0: be tough to be your wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, it is. Uh, it is. T- it's, and on a, <laughs> yeah, on, a lo- is- on a lot of different levels.
1: On a lot of different levels. I mean, being married to <laughs> an entrepreneur, it can be a se- It's all flashing lights out on yeah. social media. But behind the scenes, oh, like there's it. times that she wants to kill me. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm not easy to buy gifts for. That's for sure.
2: I love it. Okay. So the fourth and final question, we've been talking about giving gifts to other people and other companies and people within inner circles and all different people. Um, I would like to know when it comes to you, what is something, my fourth question is, what is something that you've splurged on for you that was totally worth it? We love asking this question of entrepreneurs because we just get a whole random breadth of answers. So what is your one big splurge that was worth it?
1: What's my big splurge? So I, I, um, growing up, I wanted a, a tattoo. I thought tattoos were cool. And you see like the little jump man, Jordan. And I'm like, do I, would I want that when I'm 60? I don't know. And so I, you know, the tattoo thing, and I'm not a, I'm not a real flashy person, but I ended up getting this gold bracelet custom made that says, Adonai Yeshua, which is Lord Jesus or Lord and savior depending upon your reading of the, uh, of the Hebrew. And it was, you know, it was a couple thousand dollars, but it was like my way of tattooing my core values, belief, faith, in a way that I could remove, but maybe someday pass it down to uh, kids or grandkids. But it's like my daily reminder that, uh, that, uh, that I splurged on and spent money on jewelry, which is not really my thing. But, uh, but in that case, it was, uh, it was totally worth it.
2: That's awesome. Very cool. I love that splurge.
0: Excellent. Okay. So that brings us to the more part of the four more. This is where we give you an opportunity to tell us where our listeners can connect with you. I'm going to hold up the book one more time, Giftology fantastic book. Everybody should go out and get it because again, it's one of those things that in business, we, we think about the things that are obvious in our business to push our business forward. And we work on those things that are obvious. And this is one of those things that's not obvious, but in many respects is even more important than all those other things that, that we do day to day. So tell us where can they get the book? Uh, where can they connect with you? What else do you have going on? Anything else you want to tell us?
1: Yeah, I would say, I mean, the take the free gift. I mean, I, I, you know, the being a giftologist, I'm all about free first. And then once there's value, I think the giftology is a great place to start. I do think if you want to pick up the book, it's, you know, it's 20 years worth of blood, sweat and tears that we put into our entire you know playbook. Uh, it's a 90 minute read, so they can get it anywhere they want on Amazon and then at that point, you know, for speaking or consulting or the gifting agency is, is, uh, is pretty simple. It's giftologygroup.com if somebody wants to reach out directly to us. But, uh, but start, you know, it's one of those things where I, I want people to, to start converting their heart set and mindset and realizing this isn't like a three-month commitment. Like we won't take on clients that aren't thinking about this in at least a three-year increment. Um, if this is just going to be like, hey, we're going to try this for three months and move on to the next thing, like you're going to look really silly. Because you're going to go from being radically generous to Ebenezer Scrooge. And that's going to do more damage uh, for your relationships and your business. Like this needs to be like, I'm playing, everybody says they're playing the long game. But if you really are about like, hey, I'm measuring my business in decades, not days. Then, you know, this is a good methodology and tool tool set to engage with.
0: Awesome. John, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Congrats on everything. And uh, look forward to chatting with you soon.
1: Thank Thank you again. Thank you, guys. Thank you, John. It was a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you soon.
0: So, Carol Scott, I have always considered you the queen of gift giving and the queen of surprise and delight. So I know you probably enjoyed this episode very much. I know I did. What are your thoughts?
2: I loved it so much. And I especially loved how John takes gift giving to a whole new level, right? It's one thing to give really great personal gifts. And I think it's another Whole deal to do it on a company in business and corporate wide level. It's really powerful. It builds all that loyalty. And, and I really enjoyed how he how he broke it down that we're really just kind of as business owners, we're throwing money away and even hurting relationships if we don't do it the right way. We're sending the message that it doesn't matter. So I loved how he was able to stress the importance of doing it in the right way. So I just loved everything about that episode.
0: Okay. I think we are now ready to go out and spend a lot of money on gifts, aren't we?
2: Oh, always. I'm, all, I'm always spending a lot of money on gifts. You know, that's one of my favorite things to do. But I, I'm really I I, glad we've got a John's Map and Giftology to make sure that we're building it out in the right direction.
0: Yeah. I just spent the last hour sitting here thinking about all the people I want to give gifts to and what kind of gifts I might give. So, uh, I'm awesome. kind of excited to get out there and do it. Yay. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. And we look forward to seeing you again or you seeing us or listening to us again next week. I think I'm done for the day. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Let's wrap
2: it up. Seriously. It's uh, It's been a
0: day. It's been a day. Okay. She's Carol. I'm Jay.
2: Now go give the right gift to the right person at the right time today. Gift, gift, gift away, people. Have an awesome day. (laughs)
0: Thanks everybody. Have a great week. See you soon. Bye.